righty. Thank you, guys. Uh, good morning, everyone. Is, the last time I spoke, I asked us all to do an assignment. And since the theme today is back to school, one of the most fundamental things you can do at school is turn in your homework. And out of all these people here, there are only 15 people who did the assignment. Only 15. And, you know, you don't have to do it. But the funny thing about doing the assignment is because I know many of you listen to this song. I know that. But if you don't turn in your work, do you get credit for it? You don't get any credit for it. So uh, it's great to be with you this morning. I'm going to share a couple responses from people that turned in their homework. First one, Kenny. And as you can see, the action steps here. This is what I communicated last time that we should all do. So after listening to the song five times, this sister responded, Kenny, words in a text cannot do justice for the song you asked us to listen to. I love it. I'm saving it to my music. I think with my autoimmune disease, one of the hardest things for me to do is feel close to God when I'm at my sickest. I had an episode so bad recently that I was unable to walk from my car to my bed. So I slept in my car for two hours until I could get the energy to go inside. It's in those moments that I know God is there, but he feels galaxies away. I feel like he sits on his throne so far away from me, but wants to be close. When I only have energy or strength to listen to music, it's songs like this that helps me feel like God isn't just close, but that he's inside my heart. He's with me. Thank you for sharing, brother. This other sister shared, hey, Kenny, exclamation point, I listened to Closer Than You Know five times and especially connected to the first and third verse because of how personal God's relationship is. It's really easy for me to forget to focus on the cross and to be eternally focused, even though I know that what I'm focused on is meaningless. Also, John 5, verse 37 to 40 was really impacting because they spent so much time studying the word diligently and totally missed the point that I've never really thought that was possible, but I really need to be careful not to do the same. I will definitely be applying these things, these scriptures and points as I begin the school year because I think it was perfect for Pepperdine students on campus. Also, I laugh so hard at the Harry Potter references. If there's anything you need me to pray for you, let me know. I really appreciated that. Because not only did she turn in the assignment, she asked, Kenny, what can I do to pray for you? What can I do to help you? That really inspired me. And I give these action steps because I want us to engage. As a church, sometimes we can't relate. Justin communion was really great because he he kept asking, he kept saying, I can relate. I can relate. So this is a medium where we can relate together because we're doing something together. It's very small. So at the end of this sermon today, I'm going to be giving you guys some homework. Let's see who turns it in, all right? Um, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing me to be up here, uh, to be able to Come and share and talk through just, just your word. And I know that 
it's not easy going back to school, Lord. It's not easy going back to work. You know, once Labor Day weekend come, come and go, it's just, we're back. There's no more vacations. We're focused. We're in the grind. As Justin uh, mentioned earlier, we're back to reality. I pray for us to really uh, get into something from your message this morning and uh, for me to be able to speak whatever you want me to say and be as open as I can be to share everything that needs to be said, Lord. Thank you so much for all you've done for me. I love you. I pray everything in your son's name. Amen. Back to school. Alrighty, so I hope no one's fallen asleep already. When I went to school way back in high school, like way back four years ago, um, the thing that I struggled with was paying attention in class. So I'd go, to, I'd go to my classes and I had teachers that had different styles of teaching, different styles of communicating their message, and some were more appealing than others. But I know for me the best, the most, the most that I connected to, the best teachers I had were the ones that made things simple, made things straightforward, because at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do in one class time, in one class period. You have to go home and do some work yourself. You're going to have to go back and study yourself. And the title of my lesson today is Identity. Identity, identity, identity. How you see yourself based on whatever metrics that you have decided that give you worth, that gives you value, whatever that is, your identity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And it's easy for me to talk about my life. And uh, I I did this lesson last Saturday, a variation, a version of this lesson at the campus back-to-school slash high school upperclassmen Devo. And uh, it really hit me because I had to think about my life, about my identity. And this is me in ninth grade. And you can see I'm pondering on what I'm going to do with my life. That's what that picture was about. And uh, I just remember feeling like I wanted to separate. I wanted to just be different than my friends, my family, but mostly my family. I just felt like I wanted to kind of move out of the house, kind of, I don't really want to be involved with my family. I wanted to identify myself. And, uh, and it made it even harder. This is my brother, and I love my brother a lot, but he annoyed me so much growing up. And it's because he's younger. He's two years younger than me, and he wanted to do everything that I wanted to do. So he would follow me around, and he'd ask to just join me and all my friends, and I just wanted to separate myself from that. It was cool for a little bit, but over time, I just wanted to separate. I wanted to create my own identity. I didn't want him to hang out with my older friends all the time, even though he liked doing a lot of the things that I like to do. And it made it even tougher because people think that we look alike. I don't see it. Do you see it? How many of you guys think I'm I'm the guy on the left? Raise your hand if you think I'm the guy on the left. You're left. I'm not tricking anybody here. How many of you guys think I'm the guy on the right? I'm the guy on the left. So maybe there's some truth to that. I posted this on Instagram. It was at a Halloween party, and we did a switcheroo. So I go to UCLA, 
he goes to CSUN. I'm wearing CSUN clothes, and he's wearing UCLA clothes. It's funny, at the, at the college demo last week, I think it was about, it was like 50-50 split. People didn't know. But this made it tougher growing up because I wanted to separate, create my own identity, but I couldn't because people would just come and call me a Mechi, my brother's name, all the time. So it made it a lot tougher to separate and just be myself. And this is my family. I know, I know. This is before my little sister was born. Uh, she is not here yet. And I know that I had difficulties with this image. It looks cool now. I have no issues with it now. But growing up, I had a hard time with this image. Because my family, we're from Nigeria. And for those of you who don't know where Nigeria is, there's a continent called Africa. <laughs> and within that continent, there's a country called Nigeria. So when you say, where are you from? He's, a- he's from Africa. Let's, let's, let's be more specific here. We are from Nigeria, and my parents are immigrants, so that means the kids are first-generation American. So you can imagine growing up how difficult it was trying to be different from that. Because American culture has a way of just pulling and captivating everyone to come. We're a land filled with immigrants, and there's a reason that that happened. My parents came here for a reason. But it made it tough on me because I wanted to separate and get away from that image. I'd go to school, and my friends were talking about Xbox. My dad is like, why do you need to play video games? It made it tougher to break away from my family. And, you know, the reason it was hard was because I judged who I was based on what my, uh, my friends thought, based on who my friends thought I was or who my friends wanted me to be. And uh, it made it even tougher when I'd go home and I'd bring my friends home and my parents would get mad at me. And, you know, my, my, my name's Kenny, right? That's what most of you guys know me as, Kenny. But that's my nickname. That is not my real name. Did you know that? That is not my real name. My real name is Kenechuku. Yeah, I know, I know, crazy. And I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't told you. It's been like eight years since I've been a part of this church. But this is my real name. And my friends would come home, and my, when my dad gets mad at me, guess what he yells my name as? Kenechuku! Get over here! You foolish boy! Like, come on, Dad. Did you really have to say foolish? Just say boy. Not, no need for foolish. But this is my, this is my real name, and I, I did not want to break away, or I did want to break away because of this. I didn't feel like people would accept who I was in this society. I didn't feel like people would really understand my background, my culture, and my roots. It made me so insecure in middle school. It made me so insecure in high school. Can any of you guys relate to that? I had an identity crisis. <laughs> I had 
an identity crisis. And we, we look at identity crisis and we think about what in our lives we need to figure out who we are. What is that? What is our purpose? And that's why going back to school for me was awesome. Because school was one place where I could go and I didn't have to tell anyone who I truly was. I didn't have to invite people to my house. I could just hide behind my own insecurity, hide behind my my nickname, hide behind just all the fears I had with people if they knew who I truly was. I could do that at school. And guys, school became my safe place to go because I could get away from my family and start to create my new identity by being something that they wanted me to be. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this, is, this has got to be who I need to be. But in reality, it was based on other people's opinion of me. And as you can see, the a definition here from Webster is a feeling of unhappiness and confusion caused by not being sure about what type of person you really are or what the true purpose of your life is. With this group of people here this morning, I have a strong feeling that there are some of you that are going through an identity crisis. And it's funny because we think that it's just for the youth, right? I'm a youth and family ministry intern, so I spend a lot of time hanging out with teenagers and, you know, just hanging out with teenagers. And they go through it. It's called the adolescent era. They go through this for sure. But what I've come to realize is that this identity crisis resonates with everybody. It doesn't matter what age you're in. When I was at UCLA in undergrad, I studied the Bible with a lot of people. And the difficult part about Bible studies wasn't people saying, I want to become Christian. It wasn't that. They knew that that's what they wanted to do. But they didn't understand themselves. So it made it difficult for them to connect to God. They couldn't understand it. They're like, who am I? I've been told this stuff my whole life by my parents. I've been told this stuff my whole life by media, but who am I? And that's the reason it was hard for people to study the Bible, to learn about God, because they couldn't even, they had no foundation for who they were. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to look through one passage today. I'm going to keep it very simple this morning. And the Apostle Paul was a great Great man who went around planting churches, very well known. And he wrote letters. And this is one of the letters in, in Corinthians. And he wrote these letters so that he could help the churches that were going through tough times. And specifically in this chapter, in these next couple of verses, they're struggling with a fundamental teaching that we all are familiar with. The resurrection of Christ. It reads, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. 
By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And we read this, and I know for me I read this, and I'm like, why does he have to remind them of this? Why? They are Christian. And he's reminding them of one of the most fundamental principles in Christianity. Jesus Christ died for your sins. But the reason that he reminds them, and the reason that he has to do this, because there are issues, and there are problems, and as humans, we need reminders sometimes. We need reminders of some of the most basic, fundamental principles in our walk with God. Jesus Christ died for you. Do you remember that this morning? What should that look like in your life? But I really appreciate Paul, because he does a good job of focusing on other people, but then also focusing on himself. Because sometimes, when you're in the classroom, and you hear your teacher talking at you, you kind of you can tune it off, right? But when they start sharing about their lives or something that happened to them personally, it's amazing how much we pay attention to that. Why do we pay attention to that? Because we can relate. Like Justin says, I can relate. I can relate. We can relate with stories, with personal stories, because that's what we all go through. And if you jump down to verse 9, it reads, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul here, in just two verses, gives us a clue into our identity, into what we need to respond to, to figure out our identity. And this isn't the type of response that is self-seeking, sorrowful. Man, I messed up. I'm a horrible person. I am what I am. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, I understand my sin. I used to persecute and kill Christians. I have issues. I am what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. Have you ever connected to God's grace? I know that question might seem kind of ridiculous, but I know there are people here who aren't Christian. Maybe you're believers. Maybe you're trying to seek something out. Have you ever connected to God's grace? 
after the Christians, for the disciples? Have you connected to God's grace recently? Think about this. Have you connected to God's grace recently? The God that's created this world, who created everything that we are a part of, who's given us life to the full, who's put you in these seats this morning, who helped you by sending his son for you, who died for you, right? Remember, he died for your sins. Whatever you did, have you connected to that grace that he's shown you recently? What are you motivated to do because of it? What are you motivated to do because of it? I've got two very quick, straightforward points this morning. Let's keep it simple. That's how I like to learn. The first one is be transparent. Be transparent. And I think Paul does this in two ways throughout his life and in the scripture. The first way is through confession. Through confession. I persecuted the church of God. That is not something that I want to go around telling people. Paul wrote this in his letter to let them know that he is the worst of all sinners. He was able to confess. He was comfortable with sharing his issues, his problems, his shortcomings. Are you comfortable with sharing your issues, your problems, and your shortcomings? And I can see people now, and it's funny because I feel like the teens are like, yeah, I can do it, yeah, yeah. But what about for those of us who've been Christians for longer? Yeah, I know this message. Really? Why does Paul remind these guys? He's talking to the older people. The people who take it for granted over time because our hearts can get heavy and hard. Perception. I, like, I love Paul, too, because he went around preaching the message in different places. So whenever he went to a city or town, I can only imagine how much commotion it caused. Paul is coming. Let's get as much security as possible because this dude might hurt our city. He might cause a lot of uproar. People knew who Paul was. I appreciate Justin sharing about the TBT club. For those of you who don't know what TBT stands for, it stands for Truth Be Told. It's a club on campus at Culver City High School. They can't even say Truth Be Told. Because it's, again, it's religious, religiously affiliated. So they can't even say that word. They have to say TBT. And they had a hundred people come out in high school to a Christian club. 
I would never have imagined that in my high school. Can you? Would you have even gone to the club? I mean, there's pizza there. So maybe. But a hundred people? What? That's crazy to me. That doesn't make any sense to me. The only way it makes sense is with God. And the reason that I appreciate that is because they're establishing their perception. I am a Christian. Come to my club. People are watching them. It's hard. It's hard to live a double life that way. When people know who you truly are, your jobs, at your work, on campus, at school, it's, it's hard because people know who you are. You can't hide behind it. How are we establishing our perception? I think the biggest obstacle for this point is your thoughts. Oh, when, every, when anyone asks me, what kind of superpower would you have had, Kenny, growing up? It would be to read people's thoughts. Because I know we have some jacked up thoughts going on. I know it because I have jacked up thoughts. But if I could read it, I'd be like, ha ha, I know what you're thinking. And it's funny because God can do that. Ooh, not as funny anymore, right? God can do that. He can read your thoughts. Weird, right? The thoughts and attitudes of your heart. Let's turn over to Luke 5, verse 21 to 22. Or you can just read on the screen, actually. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts. To give you a little context here, there's a paralyzed man. This man had really good friends that wanted him to be healed. So what they did was try to get him into a crowd of people that Jesus was surrounded by. So they went up to a roof and put him through the roof. I don't know how they did it, but they put him through the roof, landing him right in front of Jesus. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to think these things because you know what Jesus did? He didn't just heal the paralyzed man. He told him, he told his friends that you're, or he told the man, the paralyzed man, that your sins are forgiven. He forgave him his sins. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law, obviously they thought only God can do this. So they started muttering to themselves, and this is what they say, And Jesus asked them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Because they thought it. They didn't say anything. They were thinking it. What are you guys thinking right now? It's funny because I love speaking. I don't really like public speaking, but I like it when I see my friends in the crowd. Because I see their motions, their body reactions, and I'm like, all right, I know what you're thinking. It's awesome. But I can't do that for everybody. What are you thinking right now? Am I boring you? It's okay. You can tell me. We're family. Am I boring you right now? What are you thinking? Does this point make sense? Be transparent. We need to share our deepest 
darkest, uncomfortable thoughts with people. I love Daniel Bolton. Daniel Bolton is a good friend of mine, and we weren't always good friends, but we've become good friends. And we've, we learned that we are very similar in the way we think. It started off with just one joke, and it became like everything. And I, I love Daniel because we have a discipling relationship where we meet together once a week and talk about our lives. And for a while, we just thought, talked about actions because it's easy to address actions in your life. I did this. Oh, really sorry, bro. I'll pray for you. But when we started talking about our thoughts, I got scared because we have some evil thoughts that we don't want to share with anybody. We have crazy thoughts that scares us to bring up and it's funny because we have the junior high with us this morning. <laughs> and I love the junior high because you can always guarantee that they'll be, you know, talking or doing something during service. <laughs> but I'm wondering what they're thinking right now. We have to think about our thoughts and we have to express them in a righteous way, guys. Or we're going to have a lot of issues. Be transparent. How often do you talk about your shortcomings, mistakes, and sins? Daniel and I, we do it once a week. To be honest with you, we could probably do it every day because we have a lot of thoughts every day. Do you fear talking to your friends at school or at work about who you truly are? Does that scare you? Are you afraid of what they'll think about you? Last question. Do you share your most uncomfortable thoughts with someone? Do you have at least one person, guys, you share your most uncomfortable thoughts with? Just at least one person. Point number two. Work hard. You know, I learned as I was growing up that in my identity, I can't just cover up who I truly am. It's not possible to cover up who you truly are. And when we work hard, it's because we should be motivated by something. We should be motivated by God's grace. And that's what Paul did. As we see here, for I'm the least of the apostles. You just read that. But look at the highlighted portion. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul was motivated to work his butt off for God because he connected to the grace of God. Effect. I look at this word because sometimes I just, the most basic words, I kind of get confused. I'm like, what does it really mean? I don't really know the definition of it. So I looked it up, and here it says, uh, a change that is a result of an action. A change that is a result of an action. And what I was thinking is that it takes a cause to have an effect. It takes a cause to have an effect. And we're all here this morning 
And we all have a cause. The question is, do, are we connecting to that cause? Because if we connect to the cause, if we connect to God's grace, it becomes very easy to have an effect. To act and to see change. I really appreciate this woman right here. This is Cindy Whitcomb. Wow, I haven't even shared, and you guys are clapping. That just shows you how amazing she is. But there's a time when we, we lost our full-time youth and family ministers. And we weren't unsure of what we were going to do. I was interning at the time, and I was the only guy intern. So there's no females helping out. Cindy is a full-time employee of the church. She does HR. And we had to figure out who could help fill that role because, honestly, I can't talk to women about all their problems. (laughs) So we need people to help with that. And Cindy jumped in and said, I can do this. I can help. I am motivated to help. Can you believe that? Full time. She raises, she has two kids. Uh, it's Jordan and Megan. Megan's still in the house. She's a junior. So she's raising a daughter, working full-time, and helping me as an intern serve in the youth and family ministry that has about 40 teens, approximately. That's a lot of people. And they're teenagers, guys. They can't do everything by themselves. No offense. But you guys, can, most of you can't even drive. So you have to understand that this takes a lot of work, and we have only a couple guy teen leaders, only a couple women teen leaders. So we're short-staffed. But Cindy stepped up to help, and she works really, really, really hard. This morning, I know a lot of us, we... We have issues, we have problems, we have weird thoughts, we have shortcomings. I get it. I understand that. But can we please connect to God's grace? Because if we can connect to his grace on a consistent level, then guess what will happen? We'll be motivated to work hard. We'll be motivated to be transparent. It won't be a pull and tug. It'll just be natural. If you're ever wondering why it's hard for you to get up in the morning and come to church, or why it's hard for you to go to an event, or why it's hard for you to do Bible studies, or anything that's related to your walk with God, I have a feeling that it's based on whether or not you're connecting to God's grace. Action step. Oh, get your pens out. It's about that time. It's about that time. I'm going to leave this up here. Just see my email. Write the email out. Read Psalms 139 to 104 and Psalm 139, 13 to 14. And answer this question. How do these scriptures help you understand your identity? How do these scriptures help you understand? Very basic. Very clear. Just one, just one. No, actually there's two. Second one. How do these scriptures help you understand your identity?
Second, identify hard work. What is an area in your life that you work very hard in? Are you inspired by someone else's hard work? If so, who and why? Who and why? And I want you to text or email me your response. I put my email out there. Some of you guys have my number, so just text me. And let me know what you think about this. And guys, just so you know, I actually do check these things. I respond to every single one of them. And I really appreciate it for those who do these action steps. It really shows that you're trying. In closing, when Paul connected to God's grace, he was transparent and he owned up to his sin. He understood who God wanted him to be. He was motivated to have an effect and work hard. And thus he solidified his identity. I love my family. This is all of them, including Uju. And eventually people found out that I was Nigerian at school. I couldn't hide it for that much longer. And it doesn't matter to me. I don't care what people think about my upbringing, my roots. Because that's who I am. I enjoy it. I don't let people dictate who I am, who I want to be, what my identity is. I don't let that happen. I hope for us as Christians, we can do the same and realize that our identity isn't based on what the world thinks, but it's based on who you are, how you connect to God's grace, and what you're willing to do because of that. You're only secure if you're connecting God's grace and you know your identity. I'm going to leave you guys with a video. It's called Identity of a Misfit, spoken word by Ezekiel Azanru. Thank you. I love you. Have a good day. See, I began with media. Because media began with me. And I decided from that moment on, I am TV. Because when you broadcast your faith, you get alienated. And really, who wants to be E.T.? And yes, I remember the time I gave in to my desire to blend in because I couldn't beat it. So I, I moonwalked my way back into slavery from freedom, trying to be bad like them. I said, I'm good on Jesus. And just like that, Satan, being the smooth criminal he is, creeps into human nature to jack sons out of the kingdom. And sometimes the church doesn't even understand and it's fearful. Because when folks come in lost, we forget who they're there for. Like, these seats are for the deacons, but you can sit way in the rear, though. Or when someone just gets saved and leaps in praise because they're cheerful, someone taps their nearest neighbor like, I told you he was a weirdo. And all my life, my focus has been on what he deems or what she deems that I didn't have the time nor will to be redeemed. I needed someone, someone to validate the thoughts that Satan parallel parked in my heart till I sought spiritualists who taught me that I needed to find myself. But even nature proves that the best way to know what something is, is to know what something came from. So it's apparent that knowing the parent is imperative. 
But my original parents were flawed, so I had to change parents, and trans means change, so I had to become transparent then. God could see me through because he had to see through me to show me who I am in him, and God told me that the only place that I would ever need to fit in was his arms. This is my point for those of you who were dozing off during most of what I was saying. Never be so obsessed with image that you ignore whose you're made in. So if anyone ever tells you that you only count if you fit in, they should be held accountable for teaching counterfeits in. But instead I say, for those of you that have been saved by God's grace and his favor, stop trying to please them because it's not their job nor place to embrace your look. I'd rather be an outcast now than get cast out later. And when God... When God shapes your mind, you choose virtue over sin and start feeling like a square despite the circle that you're in. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate from the superficial things of this life. That's the only type of segregation that Christ has ever accepted. And let's just say the body was solely appearance based. If you were to take away the beautiful face and the curvy shape, then what would you have left to hold on to? Nothing but a waste. So when I look into a mirror, instead of seeing my flyness, I simply behold the graceful skills of a magnificent pilot, recognizing that I was born like this to conform to his likeness and that my only identity crisis was an identity crisis, my failure to see and identify who Christ is. See, my advice is plain. If you're like me and you're tired of trying to fit into this world, let's all pretend this is our fitting room and change.